Welcome to Gospel Truth with Andrew Womack, a teaching ministry that focuses on God's unconditional love and grace. We have a better covenant upon better promises, and we have a better relationship with God. We were at such a desperate place that Andrew, it was like life. It was just life that was coming from the television. And every area in our life has been turned right side up. And now, here's Andrew. Welcome to our Monday's broadcast of the Gospel Truth. Today, I'm going to continue a series that I started last week, and this week will be the end of this series. This is relatively small teaching. I've got a little pamphlet here that we've put out, Are You Satisfied with Jesus? And this is what I talked about all last week. We're turning this into a little small series. This is just... uh, Uh, a couple of CDs and also DVDs that we're taking from our television program. But we have this teaching available, and I would encourage you to please request this because I tell you, this is powerful. And this little booklet is only like 30 pages or less, and it is just a great way to share this with somebody else. It's very short and concise, but it's a powerful, powerful teaching. So I was taking this from John chapter 14, where Jesus told the disciples, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. If you'd known me, you should have known my Father also, and from henceforth you know him and have seen him. And Philip said unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it satisfies us. He says, you have seen him. And he says, no, show us the Father. Who is right, Jesus or Philip? Of course, Jesus was right, Philip missed it, and he said, show us the Father and we'll be satisfied. He says, I'm not satisfied with just seeing you, Jesus, but if I could see the Father. And this is what I've based this whole series on. There was nothing wrong with Jesus. Jesus was God manifest in the flesh, 1 Timothy 3, 16. God was manifest in the flesh. And um, Jesus was perfect. There was nothing wrong with him, but the problem was Philip only knew Jesus after the flesh. That's what the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, 16, that at one time they all knew Jesus after the flesh. They knew him in physical ways. They could could draw a picture of him. They could tell you what he looked like, but they didn't know the real him. And you know, an illustration that I used a lot last week, but it just really speaks to me is that our physical body is not the real us. It's just like the vehicle that we get around in. It's our earth suit. You know, if you went into outer space, you'd have to have a space suit. You have to have an earth suit to exist on this planet. And this body is our earth suit. It's like our vehicle that we get around in, but it's not the real us. If I went to your house and you started talking to my car, I get out of the car, you're supposed to talk to me. That's just my vehicle. It's how I got there. And they knew Jesus' vehicle. They knew his body. They knew him in the natural, but they didn't know him by the Spirit. If they would have known who Jesus was on the inside, the spiritual him, they would have recognized that this was the Lord God Almighty. But the reason they weren't satisfied wasn't because there was anything wrong with Jesus. It was because it was their perception. They were carnal. They were only going by what they could see, taste, hear, smell, and feel. Did you know that when Jesus was transfigured in Matthew chapter 17, and all of a sudden light began to come out of him, 
THAT'S NOT BECAUSE HE JUST FOR THE FIRST TIME HAD THIS GLORY AND THIS LIGHT AND THE SHEKINAH GLORY OF GOD OVERSHADOWED THEM AND AN AUDIBLE VOICE OUT OF HEAVEN SAID, THIS IS MY BELOVED SON, HEAR HIM. DID YOU KNOW THAT THAT WASN'T ABNORMAL? THAT'S THE WAY IT WAS IN THE SPIRIT ALL of THE TIME. IN THE SPIRIT, JESUS WAS THE GLORY OF GOD, BUT HIS PHYSICAL BODY WAS LIKE A VEIL THAT HE PUT AROUND HIM THAT KEPT PEOPLE FROM SEEING THE REAL GLORY OF GOD BECAUSE THEY JUST COULDN'T HANDLE IT. YOU KNOW, THE LORD TOLD MOSES, MOSES WAS WANTING TO SEE THE LORD, TANGIBLY SEE HIM WITH HIS EYES, AND THE LORD SAID, YOU CAN'T SEE ME. NO MAN CAN SEE ME AND LIVE. THAT'S NOT BECAUSE GOD WOULD KILL YOU. HE'S SO PRIVATE. HE DOESN'T WANT ANYBODY TO LOOK AT HIM. IT'S BECAUSE YOU COULDN'T, you couldn't STAND IT. YOU COULDN'T CONTAIN IT. The, GOD IS SO AWESOME. HIS GLORY IS SO AWESOME THAT OUR PHYSICAL BODIES WOULD EXPLODE. WE CAN'T HANDLE SEEING GOD. AND YET MOSES WAS WANTING TO SEE THIS GLORY OF GOD, AND GOD SAID, NO, YOU CAN'T DO IT. JESUS WAS THE GLORY OF GOD, AND WHEN HE WAS ON THAT MOUNT OF TRANSFIGURATION, IT'S NOT SOMETHING THAT NEW THAT HAPPENED TO HIM. IT'S JUST LIKE ALL OF A SUDDEN HE PULLED THIS VEIL BACK. SEE, WHEN MOSES, he, HE DIDN'T SEE THE REAL GLORY OF GOD, BUT HE WAS IN THE PRESENCE OF GOD FOR 40 DAYS AND 40 NIGHTS, SO MUCH SO THAT WHEN HE CAME DOWN, HIS FACE WAS SHINING. IT WASN'T RADIATING LIGHT, IT WAS REFLECTING LIGHT. YOU KNOW, SIMILAR TO THE, the SUN RADIATES LIGHT. THE MOON REFLECTS THE LIGHT OF THE SUN. MOSES WASN'T THE GLORY OF GOD, BUT HE HAD BEEN IN THE GLORY OF GOD, AND HE WAS REFLECTING IT. TO PEOPLE, AND IT BOTHERED THE PEOPLE SO MUCH TO SEE THE GLORY OF GOD ON MOSES' FACE THAT HE HAD TO PUT A VEIL OVER HIS FACE, NOT BECAUSE he, HE WANTED TO HIDE THE GLORY OF GOD, BUT PEOPLE COULDN'T STAND IT. THEY COULDN'T BE AROUND HIM. IT WAS INTIMIDATING TO HIM. SO HE, he IN A SENSE, PUT THIS VEIL, THIS CURTAIN OVER HIM TO HIDE THE GLORY OF GOD. WELL, THAT'S WHAT JESUS DID WITH HIS PHYSICAL BODY. HIS PHYSICAL BODY HID WHO HE TRULY WAS. NOW, THERE WAS PLENTY OF EVIDENCE BECAUSE HE RAISED THE DEAD. HE SPOKE LIKE NO PERSON HAD EVER SPOKE. HE HAD CONTROL OVER THE WIND, THE WAVES, THE WEATHER. SO THERE WAS PLENTY OF EVIDENCE TO PROVE THAT JESUS WAS GOD IN THE FLESH, BUT AT THE SAME TIME, THIS FLESH WAS A HINDRANCE, AND PEOPLE WHO ONLY OPERATE IN THE PHYSICAL REALM, THEY STUMBLED OVER HIS PHYSICAL BODY BECAUSE HE WAS SO HUMAN. EVEN THOUGH IT WAS SINLESS HUMAN, HE WAS SO HUMAN THAT PEOPLE JUST HAD TROUBLE BELIEVING THAT THIS WAS GOD. AND SO ACTUALLY, WE HAVE IT EASIER. WE CAN RELATE TO GOD. WE CAN LOOK THROUGH THE WORD OF GOD AND WE CAN SEE HIM IN ALL OF HIS GLORY. AND BY THE SPIRIT, THE HOLY SPIRIT IS SENT TO REVEAL JESUS UNTO US. HE REVEALS WHO JESUS IS AND WE CAN WORSHIP HIM IN SPIRIT AND IN TRUTH. JOHN CHAPTER 4, VERSE 24. THAT'S THE WAY YOU HAVE TO CONNECT WITH GOD. THE DISCIPLES... IT WASN'T JUST WORSHIPPING HIM IN SPIRIT AND IN TRUTH. THEY HAD TO DEAL WITH THE PHYSICAL FLESH OF JESUS, SINLESS BUT STILL FLESH. AND THE REASON I'M SAYING ALL OF THESE THINGS IS TO SAY THAT WE, LIKE PHILIP, DON'T RECOGNIZE WHO JESUS REALLY IS BECAUSE WE ARE SO FLESH. WE ARE SO PHYSICAL. WE ARE WANTING TO FEEL THE LOVE OF GOD. WE'RE WANTING TO HAVE SOMETHING PHYSICAL HAPPEN AND ON THE SURFACE, THAT LOOKS GREAT WHEN PEOPLE SAY, OH, GOD, I'M HUNGRY. OH, GOD, JUST TOUCH ME. 
But what you're saying is, oh God, come down to just my level and give me something physical so that I don't have to believe the Word of God that you're always with me, that I don't have to trust that by your stripes I was healed. I want the doctor to confirm it. Oh God, I want all of these physical symptoms to leave. You know, I heard a story about a woman and I didn't personally experience this, but a preacher told the story. I'm assuming it's true. But anyway, there was a woman that went to a camp meeting and she had a huge goiter on her neck. And so she went down for prayer. They prayed for her and she stood up and she said, praise God, I'm healed. And everybody just rejoiced because, you know, sometimes when the Lord touches you, there's a period of time before you see what has happened in the spirit realm manifest in the physical realm. You know, Jesus spoke to the fig tree and cursed it, and it was the next day before they saw the effects of what had happened in the roots below the ground. So, you know, anyway, this woman got up and testified that she was healed, and everybody rejoiced because they figured it was coming. Well, the next year she came to that same conference, and she still had this huge goiter on her neck, and she got up and she says, it's one year ago tonight that God healed me of this goiter. And people thought that was strange because she was saying that she'd been healed for a year and yet you could still see this goiter. But, you know, they just gave her some mercy and let it go. The next year she came back and she says, it was two years ago tonight that Jesus healed me of this goiter and yet she had this huge goiter and you could see it. And so people began to say, this isn't good. She's testifying something that hadn't happened. She came back the next year and, uh, and she said the same thing. This is the third anniversary of the night I was healed. And finally, it bothered people so much that they went to the leaders of the conference. They said, you got to talk to this woman. She's saying she's healed, and it's obvious that she's not healed. And uh, so anyway, the leaders of the conference went and talked to her and said, you can't testify anymore because you, you haven't been healed, and this is wrong for you to stand up and say that you are healed. So anyway, she went into prayer and she told the Lord, she says, God, I know that you've healed me and you told me and your word's enough for me, but these people don't believe that anything has happened until they can see it. And so it says, for their benefit, would you please take this thing away so that they wouldn't be able to see it? And the next day she got up and that garter was totally gone. And she says, I told you I was healed. But see, there's a lot of people that it's not enough what God says. It's not enough that by His stripes we were healed. You're gonna, I've actually prayed for people before and they had pain in their body and all of a sudden all of the pain leaves and I say, praise God you're healed. And they say, okay, I'm gonna go to the doctor and I'll see if I was healed or not. Man, it's a good thing I'm not God because the spirit of slap would just wanna come all over me. Man, I'd drop kick them right off into space. Man, <laughs> There's a lot of people that it doesn't matter what the Word says. You are more dominated by the physical. And I'm saying this in love, but there are some of you stumbling right now because you're saying, but the physical is that important. Well, it, we aren't only spirit. We have a soul and we live in a body. And so, yes, we do need to see the physical healing that is ours manifest itself in the physical realm. I agree with that. I'm not saying that we ignore it, that we go around like Christian scientists saying that there is no physical realm, the physical doesn't exist, you're just sick in your mind. That's not what I'm saying. Yes, it's important, but it is not the most important thing. And people who won't believe that God is doing anything until they can see it, until they can feel it, until they can get a doctor to confirm it, that's what the Bible calls unbelief. Now again, 
We need to manifest the power of God through our physical bodies. So I'm not saying that we ignore the physical realm, but you have to get to a place to where you can connect with God without having a lightning flash and a goosebump run up and down your spine and feeling something and having a cat walk this way and two dogs walk that way to confirm that what you heard is from God. You need to get to where you just base your life on the truth of God's Word instead of going by all of these carnal, natural things. That's the exact reason that Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and we'll be satisfied. He wasn't satisfied with Jesus because he knew Jesus only in the flesh. He didn't know who Jesus really was. He was just looking at Jesus' vehicle. He was looking at the car that he was getting around in, and he didn't really recognize who was truly inside. I'm not saying that we ignore this physical. I'm not saying we ignore this vehicle that we get around in. You know what? If you have a car, I believe you ought to keep it clean. I believe that if you get a ding in it, you need to repair it and stuff. I'm not saying you, you drive an old clunker where all of the paint is oxidized and it looks terrible and stuff. I think we need to take care of the vehicles we drive. We need to take care of this body. Some of us were given more looks than others. But regardless of how you are, at least do the best you can do with what you got. Amen. So I'm not saying we ignore the physical, but I'm saying that if you are just trying to contact God in the physical realm, you are not worshiping Him in spirit and in truth. John 4, 24, you are not truly connecting with God. You know, another passage of Scripture, it fits perfectly with all of this, but another passage of Scripture is from uh, Luke chapter 24. And this is where Jesus, after He was raised from the dead, there are eight resurrection appearances of Jesus after He rose from the dead. And in every one of them, the people that He appeared to, and again, these were only people that already knew Him, people who were already believers. He never appeared to an unbeliever in His resurrected body because it's by faith that you have to receive Him. It's, he's not going to just physically make you bow the knee. But there are eight resurrection appearances in the Bible. It may look like more than that because we got four Gospels, but some of them are, uh, you know, uh, giving accounts of the same event. But if you harmonize and put all together, there's eight times Jesus appeared to His disciples after He was raised from the dead. And in every single one of those appearances, they didn't recognize him. Mary Magdalene thought he was the gardener. And you know, it's subtle. And some people might think, well, she just didn't really look at him. She was, you know, crying and couldn't see properly. Maybe she had her back turned to him. And they try and explain it away. But when you put this with every other resurrection appearance of Jesus, in every single instance, the people didn't recognize Jesus. Now, I think that's significant. Let me just give you a couple of these examples here. Let me first of all turn over to John chapter 21, and this is where Jesus had already appeared unto these disciples once, and He told them to go into Galilee, and He would see them in Galilee. So they went there, and anyway, Peter says, I'm going fishing. And I think there were seven of the uh, 12 apostles that went fishing with Peter, and they had been fishing all night long, and Jesus came to them in the morning, and he said unto them, Children, have ye any meat? And they answered him, No. And he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side 
of the ship, and ye shall find. And they cast therefore, and they were not able to draw it in for the multitude of fishes. This is exactly what happened in the fifth chapter of Luke when Jesus first called these same men to follow him. They had a miraculous encounter just like this. And because of the similarity of what had just happened with what happened when he called them to be his disciples, they recognized that it was Jesus. And so in verse 7, it says, Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved, talking about John, said unto Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girt his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked. Doesn't mean he was physically naked, but he had cast off his outer clothes. He was wearing, he was still wearing clothes. He just wasn't properly dressed. And he cast himself into the sea, and the other disciples came in a little ship, for they were not far from land, but as it were two hundred cubits, and dragged the net with fishes. And soon as they were come to the land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid thereon, and bread. Jesus said unto them, Bring of the fish which ye have now caught. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land full of great fishes, a hundred and fifty and three. And for all there were so many, yet was not the net broken. Jesus said unto them, Come and dine. And none of the disciples durst ask him, Who art thou, knowing that it was the Lord? Now think about this. Why would this even be written? You know, they were sitting around a fire like this, this little table that I'm sitting at right here. If this was the fire and I was sitting here and if you were just on the other side, three feet away, four feet away, and if you were looking at me, why would you even say, I didn't even ask if it was Andrew because I knew it was Andrew. You would never say something like that unless there was some doubt about whether it was really me. For the very fact that it says that here they were sitting around this fire eating the food that Jesus had prepared for them and it said none of them dared to ask. Why would they even think about asking who it was? Because they didn't recognize him. And you can find this in every single instance. You know, let me give you another instance over here. This one to me is the clincher. It's kind of the most obvious of all but in Matthew chapter 28, it says in verse 16, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Some doubted what? They were looking at Jesus face to face. And these were his eleven disciples. Judas had already hung himself. And these were eleven apostles that had been with him day and night for three and a half years. And it says some doubted that he was really alive, that that was really him. And yet they were looking at him face to face, a foot away, two feet away. How in the world could this be? I think that the answer lies right here. Let me turn over to Luke chapter 24 and read this passage to you. The Lord showed these things to me probably 40 years ago. And this has really impacted my life. In Luke chapter 24 is an account of the resurrection of Jesus. And on that resurrection day, two of them were walking towards Emmaus, a town that was about seven miles away. And so let's pick up this story here in Luke chapter 24 and in verse 13. It says, And behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem about threescore furlongs, seven miles. 
And they talked together of all of these things which had happened. And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, boy, if you've listened to this teaching for the last week, this is, this is exactly what I'm talking about. The word reason means they were trying to figure it out with their head. They were looking to the natural, physical realm. How could this be that Jesus is raised from the dead? They had heard the report, but how could it be? They were trying to reason it out, figure it out. I tell you, you are not going to truly connect with God through just reason. The Word of God is spiritual. It's got to be perceived by the Spirit. Now, that's not to say that there's anything illogical in here, but it's different logic than what this world operates under. For instance, the world says that if you're, you know, if you need more money, then what you've got to do is start saving, decreasing, hoarding, holding on. The Bible says, give and it shall be given unto you. It looks contrary. The Word of God is contrary to human wisdom, but it is perfectly logical in God's system. And, you know, like if you need food, instead of eating all of your seed, take some of that seed and plant it sow it and it will grow and produce more. And you'll, in the long run, you'll turn off, you'll turn out better. But see, that's, that's crazy to the natural mind, but it makes perfect spiritual sense. So they were reasoning and while they reasoned, Jesus drew near and went with them. And look at this in verse 16. It says, but their eyes were holden that they should not know him. Notice that it wasn't Jesus that was different. It was their eyes that were different and they didn't recognize who was walking with them. And so Jesus said unto them, What manner of communications are these that ye have one to another as ye walk and are sad? Did you know that they were talking about Jesus? They were actually talking about the resurrection of Jesus. They had heard the report from the women that Jesus was raised from the dead. So they were talking about godly things, and yet they were still sad because they were reasoning. They were trying to figure this out. How could this be? We saw him die. We put his body in the grave. We know that he was dead. How could he be alive after, you know, after three days in the grave? And so th there's a parallel here. There are some of you that know Jesus. You're born again, and yet you're still sad. And it's because you're reasoning. You're just trying to contact God in a physical, natural way. You're wanting to hear an audible voice, to see a vision, to have an angel say something. You're wanting to feel something instead of just taking the Word of God and believing and rejoicing in what the Word says. That reasoning is blinding you to this. Your eyes are holding. You can't see and you can't understand because you are so controlled by the physical and wanting to experience God in just some physical, emotional way. Man, I am out of time again, and I'm coming up to one of the most important things that God's shown me. I'm going to have to continue this on my program tomorrow. Again, let me mention that I've got this little booklet. It's, only, it's less than 30 pages long, and this is my gift to you. It would really bless you. All of the things we're talking about are in there, and we've also put this into a CD set, and we have DVDs that were taken from my television program. And I tell you, this teaching would really impact your life. I think it would make a difference. It would help you to worship God in spirit and in truth. So listen to our announcer as he gives you some information. Please call or write to receive this free material that we're offering to you. And then join me again tomorrow as we continue the gospel truth. 
Andrew's brand new teaching, Are You Satisfied with Jesus?, is available as a booklet. And today, Andrew would like to offer it as his free gift to you. Go to awmi.net to receive your free copy and to order additional copies to share with friends and family for only $1 each. This new series is also available in a two-part CD or DVD album made from our daily television broadcast. Each of these valuable resources are available for a gift of any amount when you contact us. Go to awmi.net to see all the ways you can get this teaching. I'd like to ask you to pray about becoming a partner with us. You know, our ministry is based in the United States, but we have 16 offices around the world. We've got around 70 Bible schools scattered around the world, and we actually reach more people outside of the U.S. than we do in the U.S., and we need partners to enable us to do that. Many of these nations that we're in really can't support the ministry themselves, and so we've been subsidizing it. But you know, as we continue to expand, we need people outside of the U.S. to become a partner. And so I'd like to encourage you to join with us. There are great benefits to you being a partner, not only in eternity, but here in this life. Mark chapter uh, 10, verse 30 says that no man hath given up anything, house, father, mother, brother, sister, lands for the sake of the Lord, but what he'll receive a hundredfold in this life with persecutions and in the world to come everlasting life. So if you are looking for a good return on your investment, I believe that this is a good ministry. It'll touch you right where you are. And I encourage you to become a partner with us today and help us put the gospel out all around the world. You can become a Grace Partner or order resources through our website at awmi.net. While there, you can discover more product details and download additional free resources or call our helpline Monday through Friday from 4.30 a.m. to 9.30 p.m. Mountain Time at 719-635-1111. To write us, use the address on your screen. We appreciate your generosity and hope to hear from you today. We'd like to point out Andrew's upcoming speaking schedule. Mark your calendars to come meet Andrew at one of these events and let the Word of God transform your life. In the month of September, join Andrew in Toronto, Canada as he hosts a Gospel Truth Seminar. Next, Andrew will be speaking in Granville, Michigan. Then he'll be in Woodland Park for the Identity in Christ Conference with guest speaker, Pastor Dwayne Sheriff. Lastly, in September, Andrew will be speaking in Woodbridge, Virginia at the Voice of the Apostles event. In October, Andrew will be speaking in Colorado Springs. Next, come join Andrew in Woodland Park for our annual Minister's Conference. Then he'll be speaking in Budapest, Hungary for a Grace and Faith Conference. Also in October, Andrew will be hosting the Andrew Womack Ministries European Minister's Conference in Walsall, England. Guest speakers at this event are Paul Milligan, Billy Epperhart, and Bob Yandian. Lastly, in October, Andrew will be hosting a Grace and Faith Conference in Wienendal, Netherlands. For more details on Andrew's next meeting in your area, visit our website at awmi.net. Hello, I'm here with Richard Harris, who is the Chief Counsel for our Truth and Liberty. This is a 501c4, a political arm 
of Andrew Womack Ministry where we're getting involved and changing our culture. And we just wanted to take this opportunity to encourage you to get out and vote. It's not just a privilege, it's a responsibility. And on our Truth and Liberty website has a lot of information there that could really help them. Amen. So go to our website, truthandliberty.net, and under the resources tab, you'll find voting resources. And there you can register to vote, find voter guides, you can find out who your representatives are and lots of other helpful information. And how they voted and yeah. stuff, so you don't have to listen to their rhetoric. That's you right. can judge them based on what they've done. That's right. But most importantly of all, take your responsibility to get out and vote in the primaries, in the general election, so check it out, truthandliberty.net, and get out and vote.